Welcome to Vino 101. I'm Bill. Hello, everybody. Al here. Um, we're going to start out talking about some wines. Um, Bill's got an excellent wine you just picked up uh, that I am very anxious to hear a review on from you, Bill. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I was there at the spot where you picked it up, and I passed on it because in the last podcast, uh, you had mentioned that you were going to pick up some. So, true to light, you've come through. Take it from there, Bill. Yes, I have a. I have in my hot little hand a bottle of Cali Red with Snoop Dogg. Yes, Snoop Dogg on the label. We'll post a. We'll post a picture. Um, it does say 19 crimes on the label, by the way. Yep. Um, but I did, as as I told Al earlier, I am wondering if I just bought a really expensive bottle of Charles Shaw. Um, not that not that any of these wines are you know wrong or anything. It's just, um, well, I'll be interested to see what it tastes like. And if I did buy an expensive bottle of Charles Shaw, I didn't even get a backpack. Um, and so the reference to that is is the. Franzia has come out with some new swag, one of which being a backpack that has a box of their wine in that you can dispense right from the outside of the backpack, just in case you need it. And I do like the picture in the article of the, that it looks like a millennial picnic. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. I mean, it could have been my nephew with that backpack on. It's Elliot. Yeah, that's the really good photo. I love the... Um... It just fits well, there's up. a couple of things about the photo. First, okay, it's totally millennial. First, he, the guy has on the Francia ball cap, and it's turned backwards. Yes. Okay? Yes. That's cool. And then the young lady, she's super happy. She has on a tank top that has I Love Box Wine on it. You see that? I did. And then she's actually the dispensing the wine as he has it on his back, out of his backpack, into a red cup. Yeah. Red solo cup. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Which which I only know from which I only know from house party keggers. Where exactly. I paid where I paid two to five dollars to get into the house. Oh, I paid two to five dollars for the cup and the beer was free. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's a pretty uh, pretty cool thing, but uh, I mean it's selling for uh, it's one size, so it's, it's four bottles in one, I believe. It sells for 32 bucks, so do the math. Um, it'll last a, a long time, but it's like, you know, one person in your party could probably just uh, have that on their back, and it uh, looks like you could probably put a backpack on top of that also, and then, hey, we're going hiking. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, no judgment on any of this. I've had my share of box wine. So, and I'm pretty sure some, probably some of the first wine I tasted was from a box, probably not a box, but a very large bottle, probably made by Gallo. <laughs> and it probably said red wine or white wine. So that's our, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm, it's not something I would do because I don't need that big of a quantity of wine, but if you got like five or six people going out, you know, and you're just packing like the solo cups. Uh, uh, it's it's well, environmentally uh, friendly, as they say, right? It is. Now, one of the things I noticed, so when I was was picking up the uh, the Cali Red at, at uh, a place here in Sonoma County in Santa Rosa that a lot of people know called Bottle Barn. They have really great, they have an awesome selection and really good pricing. Uh, there were, there was a, quite a few uh, 
I'll just say different types of package packaging with wine. So in single serving wine, whole you know multiple racks of cans of wine, or and or small boxes of wine. And that's another thing in the in the article that we're talking about where Franzi also has a thing called Little Franz, which is a a, a box. It's like a milk carton of wine. I forget how much wine. It's like a single serving of wine. That's kind of towards the bottom of the article. So we'll we'll have to try some of these packaged wines. They have canned like you know cans of wine now, just like you have canned beer. And I noticed at Bottle Barn, sort of as you're heading towards the register, just before you get to the main wine section, there's kind of a whole row of it now, um, which is quite interesting. And I didn't see any of the producers. I didn't uh, take a look. I just picked up the cans. Um, and one of the ones I picked up was like five bucks. So I'll have to uh, I'll have to give that a whirl too. Yeah, maybe we should do a alternative packaging podcast yep. um, at some point and just pick up these random things that we have. I remember doing like years and years ago. I think we, I think we might have done we one. We did. We did years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got some at 7-Eleven. I, I think the reviews were, were, were not good at that point. They were, they were okay. I think they were, they were I, very mixed, there, as I recall. Most of, almost all of them were not um were barely palatable and but there was one that was kind of a standout and i can't remember it was like beta beta box or um, boda yeah boda the box boda was good yeah the boda red i remember that the boda was like wow this is like we were kind of, we were surprised if i recall um yeah yeah, about yeah that. that's true that's true now the other thing with this article which i don't know if you saw but i got was the clickbait to people magazine where Cheese it and wine and wine box is returned with their pairing where you can buy a box of wine and it comes with cheese it's paired with it. I did see that, yes, yes. Uh, and it turns out they sold out last year, which says a lot about box wine. Yes, I have been to a point where I just need a drink and some chips and I'm gonna be good. Yeah, cheese it. That's an interesting. Uh, you know, I, I bet you with that with that white, which is probably um, you know probably more along the lines of sweeter than than tangier. I bet you those cheese it's would be pretty good. You know, the salt versus the sweetness type of thing. So well, they that, have that a whole sense. Pinterest post where it's you know, hey, if you have the white cheddar, it goes with this wine. If you have the original, it it it's use the original red blend they paired it oh here we go cheese it grooves at zesty cheddar ranch flavor pairs well with malbec okay i'll have to i'll uh yeah um it's pretty uh i don't uh, i don't know um exactly what to say about it but we'll post we'll post a link or um a copy of this picture and they have it on a cheese board and it's a little so, glass of wine plus the Cheez-Its. So what it is, just to be clear, it's a it's boxed wine and the Cheez-Its together in one package. So right. you know you 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 could actually I guess you could put that on your backpack too I guess I don't know but it's yes. it's it's a combo they're all together for twenty three ninety nine twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. No. And here's here's the kicker: no corkscrew required. That's right. Okay. So you don't need any fancy apparatus. 
But those you. are some nice glasses that they're showing with it. Of course. I, mean, I don't know why you would be using. Those are really nice glasses. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's uh, enough of uh, the cheeses. But you know, I got to tell you, bro, I never even knew that there were white cheddar cheeses. I thought there was only oh. one cheese. Oh, really? Oh, there's you, di different flavors. There's different flavors, and I, when I encountered this a couple of years ago, I'm like, white cheddar cheese. It's what? They're, uh, yeah, they're good. What? Where have I been? They're good, and they make like. These things that are, they make bags of them now, of course, feed bag size. Yep. And uh, these, they make these white cheddar ones that are not the traditional Cheez-Its. They're a little bit bigger. They're like bigger crackers and uh -huh. almost like chips, and they're addictive. You know, whatever they do with the chemicals where you just want to eat one and you just like, wow, that was really good. I'll have another one of those. So these aren't these aren't they're not organic cheeses. Oh, really? I don't. Do they make those? <laughs> do they make those? Not so much. Not so okay. much. Okay. I don't. I don't. You know. I think you have to make your own if you're going to make your. You know, they're make an original cheese cracker. Them. You know, I don't think that that's possible. <laughs> so why will why we're uh, sheltering in place here in Northern California? Due to the fact that the entire state is almost completely on fire, um, I I've been bunkering in with my wine and Cheez-Its. There we no, go. I'm I'm just joking, but that's an attempt at a segue to to uh, all joking aside. There's a there's a lot of forest fires um, around uh, in in um, the West Coast, California, kind of all the way to Washington and. You know, Oregon recently has been hit really hard, but, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the in the last cast about, you know, whether or not there's going to be smoke taint and, you know, you know, the effects that that, you know, may or may not be true, kind of what the geography is and how long the, um, you know, smoke is out there. Al, you had pointed out last time that, you know, we're going to, you know, we'll wait for the lawsuits um, to come as harvest hits. Um, but it's sort of a, you know, it's a multiple threat year from the harvest standpoint due to smoke taint and, of course, the heat. The heat's been, the heat was outrageous last weekend um, here. And I think we had, what, 111? It was 100. I was driving around Santa Rosa on Sunday, and it was 113 in my, in my outside. Yeah, I, I cannot remember uh, a time recently anyway. Yeah, I can remember us having temperatures that high, but I can't remember a string of days that long. Yeah, I think it was four days of triple-digit heat in Sebastopol, which is which is we're, it, yeah. we're only 15, 20 minutes max from the coast. Yeah, so and it's it was and it never it didn't cool down to the last the fourth day. I mean, even well, at night. It was only cooling down to like the mid 60s, which is if you're, um, you know, typically for us, it's almost always in the low 50s. That's right. That down. And what was surprising for me, and I, I know you'll remember this, is there was no wind. It was almost like we were living in a vacuum. There was no wind. So, so uh, it was uh, it was it was pretty stifling, to, to yeah. say the least. And then on top of that. 
um, our, our provider for power was threatening to turn the power off. So, uh, you which know, did happen for some people around yeah, here, that but did that, happen. thankfully they, they not for us. Use air conditioning. Yeah. You know, if you had air conditioning, you were afraid to use it because you drive up the, you know, the, the, the usage of the power. So even people that had air conditioning, they were, they were reluctant to even turn it on. So it was a, it was a pretty rough period. So what happens for grape farmers when it's 110 degrees is the grapevines essentially shut down. Besides and, uh, that they freak out. Yeah. You know, in the middle, in the, you know, like in the middle of September. Well, what it, uh, the, I'm, I'm making this reference to the fact that the heat, as Al's pointing out, the heat has a pretty dramatic effect, a big impact on the grapes. And especially this close to harvest, it can, it can, it can make a major, it can make a major change in the grapes, as I understand it, like really affect things that, you know, to the point where it's like, oh, I got to get these things off the vine right now. And, you know, there's COVID, it's like excessive heat, there's, you know, the air is really bad. So you were saying, and I interrupted on the, on what happens to the vines. They start well, to show degree. Let me, let me go back. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll get back to the vines, but do you remember Wednesday morning, this, this last Wednesday morning, that Martian sky that we had? Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. I was in San Rafael and, you know, I, I went down early. So I'm waiting, you know, when I get there, I'm thinking, you know, sun's going to rise or whatever. I mean, so many things have changed, but you, I'm looking and I'm, what the heck? It, I mean, it looked like something out of a movie. It did. Like literally like a, a Martian sky. Yeah. And everybody was talking about it, man. It was like. Is this the apocalypse? It, it was apocalyptic weather. Like the sun, the sun was visible, but it was just, it was like there was an eclipse. There was like just an orange dot. And it was dark all day. I yeah, mean, it was all, even, like street lights on downtown, all day. The lights, the, you know, the lights that normally t- turn on when it gets to be dawn. I mean, yes. uh, evening time, all the lights were on. Yeah. <laughs> it was the strangest thing. Yeah. But uh, getting back to uh, getting back to the grapes, so we've had we're going on four weeks of just smoke everywhere, and you know a lot of people have the the, the smoke taint is a very um, it's a very controversial issue. Um, there's really uh, they're still trying to work out the solutions, but but uh, here's the long and short of it: we're, we were already sitting on a, a, a surplus of grapes. So, in a way, this these fires and this um, this specter of smoke taint plays to the advantage of the vintner, and it plays to the disadvantage of the farmer. And here's why: all of these farmers, I went to um, uh, I went to a winery I sh- I, that shall remain unnamed. But it's a, a fairly decent-sized winery in Sonoma County, and I was speaking with the, the viticultural um, one of the people that works in the viticulture office, and they said that they had sent out notices to all their growers. They started after the Tubbs fire in 2017. They send out notices to all their growers to get crop insurance, and they say if you don't have crop insurance, and we have an incident such as what we're having right now with the possibility of smoke taint. We can't guarantee that we can take your grapes. Now, you'd think, 
hey, that, that sounds like a good good idea. You know, I'm farming uh, 10 acres of Pinot Noir. I'll just go ahead and get some crop insurance. It's really expensive. Yeah. It's, it, it's incredibly expensive to get crop insurance. And the problem with crop insurance is once you buy it, it's not like car insurance or it's similar to car insurance. Let's say you have, um, uh, you've insured your car and you have a $500 deductible. So your car gets wrecked. The insurance company makes you whole. You got to kick in that $500. That's your deductible. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, crop insurance works the same way, but most crop insurance only covers about 50 to 60% of the grapes. You got to cover the other 40%. Well, that other 40%, that's your profit, probably. Yeah. If, so if that. If that. They're covering, basically, they're covering your cost to grow the product. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, it just doesn't make sense if you're a small brewer. It doesn't make sense. So what a lot of people are doing when these fires initially started is they got the stuff off. The, they just pulled it off. Got it off the, yeah. um, the vines as quickly as they could. Yeah. The problem with that is how do you find people to do the work? Because there's a couple things going on. There's a demand to get people to pick. Yeah. And the air quality is horrible. And there's COVID. So how do you do all these things really quickly? So if you're if you're a farmer and you're trying to schedule someone to pick your grapes, I mean, timing is of the essence. So what this viticulture, uh, this, this person is viticulture part, um, um, department said, what they're doing is they're going out and they're actually picking grapes from their parcels. And then they're bringing them back, they're putting them in the fridge. Some of them they're putting in the fridge and the others, they're doing little micro fermentations. And they're sending part of those grapes also, they're waiting because they can't send them to ETS. ETS is the lab that does all of the, um, you know, they do all kinds of wine analysis, but this year because of fire, they're doing all of the um, smoke, smoke taint analysis. And it's the only place you can send your grapes. So imagine you're in California, there's one place that's doing smoke taint analysis they're backed up for four or five weeks. That's right. And so if you're at yeah. war and your grapes are at 22 bricks and they're going to be, you're thinking they need to be harvested next Friday. How the heck do you make a decision? You tell me, Bill, how do you make a decision whether to pick the grapes or not? I, I have no, I have no idea. And, and I have no idea. And, and I've also read, I've also read a couple of interesting things that a lot of the, contracts say we won't take your grapes until we get the testing back from ETS. And so um and and what ETS is saying is hey, so you got to pick grapes now in September, but ETS can't get your test back until October 6th. So what happens when you what what happens when your grapes come back with smoke taint? I don't, you know, and they're not going to the, the the vintner's not going to take them. Um nope. so that's a mess. The other thing I read that was really interesting that I really didn't, you know, I mean, it makes sense after I read it, but I really didn't know is this micro fermentation. And evidently there was a rule change in, I think after, after the, one of the, one of the fires in the last couple of years where they started to allow micro fermentation to be acceptable to, you know, validate whether or not there's smoke taint in the grapes. Um, one of the articles um, was stating that that was uh, 
you know, it was sort of a pressure by the California Wine Growers Association cause, right, um, mm-hmm. that they had lobbied for. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, you know, there there were a couple articles, or at least one article I read, where somebody was successful, like right when the fire started last, what, two weeks ago or three weeks ago here where in, in around Healdsburg where there was threat of fire uh, that they just, they harvested. And, you know, it was a scramble, but, you know, they're saying that the outcome is good, you know, mm-hmm. that the grapes were the right, you know, were at the right, um, you know, the right parameters for what they wanted to do with their wine. You know, the bricks were in the right place and, you know, everything else. And they were, you know, happy with that. But, I, you know, for many people, you know, Al and I have talked before about, you know, grape contracts and, you know, between growers and vintners and that, those things, you know, blowing up for various reasons. You know, we've also reported on people that have handshake deals, you know, I'll buy your grapes. Like, uh, so we're at what I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to say, or my point is that we're going to see a new level of legal action, I believe, around, around all of this. Um, and then there is the complexity of the smoke. You know, the the grapes actually can get smoke, and not have an effect on the grape. And it really, you know, it it matters. There's a there's many variables, and when that when that smoke take is going to happen and what they're looking for are certain phenols in the grape skins. You need a very expensive, two very expensive pieces of equipment to actually check for, test for this. So there are different variants of gas chromatography, um, mass mass spectrometry uh, machines, mass spec um, or gas mass spec machines. And they're, you know, there and the tests take a while. It's not like you can, you know, drop a drop a dropper of something and you know hook it up to a machine and it'll tell you there's a process. Yeah. And as one of the articles that we'll post says, you know, it, um, you know, the people that run the machines, they're pricey too. It's you mm-hmm. know you can't you can't just take somebody off the street and say hey. You know, press this button, squeeze this grape, press this button, and <laughs> and print this report. Right? I mean, it doesn't work like that. So not, not so much. You know, and and so it's really, you know, it's really complicated, and it also isn't. It's not also something that you can't just like farm out somewhere else in the United States. Like you can't. Yeah. It sort of has to be done in and around the the area where the grapes are, as I understand it. So, it's a, uh, and what we're not really emphasizing here that I think is a. Um, you know another big underlying factor besides the heat and the and the, you know obviously the fires and smoke we have a pandemic going on so you know that affects the lab it affects getting samples to the lab um yeah. it's it, it's really you know these are the kind of when you hear about the economy really taking a hit this is a good little microcosm of it affecting an entire ecosystem of an industry the entire structure of an industry um, you know, you can see you can see people completely going under from this stuff. Wineries just can't make it because they can't make wine. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but and but it it isn't the the other you know sort of leg in this whole thing around COVID is it's that's national, and then we have regional fires like the entire West Coast wine industry is going to be affected by this. So it's a pretty it's 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 a freaky time. Yeah, it is, and. 
you know, I, I think I started out and I, I said that it's 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 probably a little bit easier to mitigate the damages if you're a vintner versus a farmer, and I and I still believe that. Um, and also, I think it's uh, vintners that have deeper pocket pockets or growers that have deeper pockets are going to benefit from this, obviously. Um, there's an article. I don't think I sent this to you, but um, there's an article. Um, it's in the. Um, uh, uh, wine and spirits. This is maybe a, a, a few a few months ago, but they're talking to um, uh, Chris Carpenter, and he's the winemaker. He makes all the high-end wines for Jackson Family Wines, yeah. um, Lacoya, Cardinale, Yahota, and um, uh, mostly Napa Valley. But he's talking about. Um, they quote him talking about smoke tank, and one of the things he says is he says um, he basically says there's no solution yet. If you bottle wines that you suspect that you suspect have smoke in them, you're taking a huge risk. Um, he says um, in this article, he says we ended up strapping two thirds of our inventory from 2017 because the risk of bottling these wines was too great. Now, these guys, the the type of wines he's making, they're selling for, you know, upwards of a hundred and two hundred dollars a bottle. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, that's two thirds of your revenue gone. Of inventory they didn't bottle. What? You know, in 2017. So the the problem with the, the smoke tank now is that, and, and here's what I'm predicting is going to happen: is you know the vintage is going to go on. There's going to be a lot of wine made because um, it's a it's a very generous vintage also. But I think the wines that come out of it, I think we're probably going to see a lot of wines for early consumption for 2020, and we're going to see less of the high-end, ultra-premium, you know, what people are known for in, in Napa Valley, the Cabernet, that type of thing. We're just going to see less of that because, like I said, it's been four weeks, dude, and people, we're not even harvesting Cabernet yet. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it. yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, not only are these grapes being subjected to smoke over and over again, <laughs> just like we are, but it's also the ash that's everywhere. It's just just like every three or four, this ash is just flowing everywhere. So it's like I mean, snowing. Washing your grapes or what you're doing, but this is this will be a year where you're going to see a lot of wines. People are going to do a lot of whites. You're going to see a lot of blush wines because a lot of the uh, smoke taint. You know, the longer the the wine is in contact with the skins, the greater the risk for getting those smoke flavors that you're going to get. And it's not so much when you smell the wine. When you smell it, it might be okay. But when you taste it and you swallow it at the end, you get in the back of your throat, you get this ashtray type, um, this, you know, flavors. And um, that's not good. You know, you, who wants ashtray in the back of their mouth? <laughs> Nobody wants that. So I was looking, and, and one of the things I look at is the way that people talk and the farmers. <clears throat> So we got this article from uh, Monterey County, and it's uh, James Ferreras. He's quoting a lot of farmers, and he's talking to one vendor, um, uh, Kim Stemler. Uh, she's a Monterey County County vendor, and uh, she's the Growers Executive Director. And here's her quote: "It's been really good so far with a mild winter, enough water. Dot dot dot. This was going to be a good harvest. The key word was." So everyone's worried. They don't know what's going to happen with the smoke tank, but, you know, in the back of everybody's mind is you just don't know to actually ferment the grapes. They've gone through a little processing and they're in the bottle. You don't know. And if you're bottling 
a, a, a wine that you want a premium price for, you better be darn sure that, I mean, that you're not going to have a smoke taint blowback because, you know, that's your, that's your uh, reputation and it'd be hard to beat that. Yeah. Yeah. And also in that article, I, you know, to quantify the, um, the lag in the testing, um, the, um, I'm trying to see who said this quote, but, uh, saying that it used to be a 24 to 48 hour turnaround time with lab testing and that's oh yeah now, now it takes four three to five weeks three to five weeks and it also you know the other the other thing that's really not explicit in a lot of these things are that the test isn't a hundred percent no it is micro fermentation with the lab results are the best predictor but as al just said you can vent minify these wines and bottle them and you know, open one up six months later and it's tastes like an ashtray. And that's, man, that could just be devastating. And then the other, you know, the other thing, as we mentioned the last time we, we talked was, you know, not all, this could affect very few vineyards just because of the way things work mm-hmm. or it could affect a lot. Um, you know, aside from the fact that your vines burn down, you know, Howell Mountain over in Napa County has you know that 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 place burned so and i don't you know i don't know what that looks like i can tell you in sonoma county in the fires in in 2017 that you know i saw vineyards where it burned down the winery facility but completely skipped all the vineyards like the vineyards didn't burn um so and then that happened more than once and that's very not uncommon in fires where you'll see a neighborhood where there's you know, a few houses standing, but everybody else's is burned to the ground. And there's no, it just, it's like the wind, um, just the variables of the weather and the wind. It just, it just didn't catch these other houses on fire. And that's a good sort of example of, of kind of what would happen with the vineyards with smoke taint. Some of them are going to get it. Some of them aren't. And there could be a row, you know, five rows, you know, you have 10 rows of vines, five rows have it and five rows don't. Um, but that stuff all gets, you know, harvested and mixed together or, you know, uh, crushed together. It's, uh, wow, what a, it's hard to be a farmer. It is. And, it and really all, it, is. And, and the problem, the even bigger problem is that, you know, this kind of gets blown up by the, by the press. Sure. You know, with the fire. So, I mean, you turn on the TV and it's like the world's on fire. The world's on fire. So... It's it's hor- It's really bad for tourism. Although you know, admittedly, you know, living here, I, I mean, I I certainly wouldn't suggest that somebody come visit us at this particular time because it's just it's not going to be that. It's it's just not right. It's <laughs> it's. it's just, um, you, but yeah. but on the other hand, <laughs> you know, we need the tourism. You know, this this area. You know, this area where we live is actually. A big part of the economy. It's a third of the economy. So uh, that that part is sad. Hey, can we talk about uh, some vino? Because I know we're running on a short time. I got a couple bottles yeah. I want to yeah. tell everybody about. I want to make one more point though about the article that you sent about champagne. Um, uh-huh. So the 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 champagne growers and vintners got together and are basically paring back their production um, and have been. 
I knew um, you'd like that article. Oh, yeah. I knew oh, yeah. you would like that yeah. article. Well, what I want to say about that article, that in that article, they're talking about the French economy has already mm-hmm. taken a 25% hit. Um, and that's and that is all due to the fact that's their hospitality business. So, you know, that that's a big number for a country. Yes. <laughs> their GDP took a 20. I mean, it's a that's a big material number. And so we're going to see that globally. And yes, the champagne folks are very smart in controlling their they control their production. And they also can you know, they're working together um in a very coordinated way and kind of pushing back on the French government. Um, and we can talk about distillation at another time um, and what that means because they talk about the French government offered wineries money to for distillation. Um, so anyway, on on we'll leave it there. Well, I, unless you, we go should ahead. talk about that. Just, okay. I, the price of distillation was set at what? Uh, $78. Seventy uh, Euro. 78 per, euros. Per, yeah, for for a hundred liters, and the price of champagne on average is is twelve twelve hundred euro per hundred liters. So basically, we're going to give you seven uh, percent of what you would have made, uh, you know, for your just for your product to just, just distill it into into hand sanitizer. No thanks. I, <laughs> I'll take my chances some other way. I was like, I was like, are they? Are are you kidding me? They're gonna make hand sanitizer out of this stuff? I was stupefied. <laughs> what they're doing, man? I so was this, like, are the you world kidding we live me? in, man, it's crazy. Yeah. There's just basically too much wine out there, okay. you know. And it's not bad enough that there's too much wine in the world, but now there's all these other things, you know. Like we said, there's COVID, there's fires, there's it's like you know, yeah. there's tariffs. I mean, farming is tough now. It's man. very tough. It's very tough. Really, really tough. Well, I got right. a couple of uh, I got That's a couple of uh, wines, and this one's still available, so I really wanted to tell you guys about it. It's uh, Castello di Gabbiano, and uh, Castello di Gabbiano is um, it's in Italy. Obviously, this is a Chianti Classico Reserva. It's a 2015. We're getting near the end of the 2015s that are um, as far as um, the wines that are available from Chianti, and we're kind of pretty much have moved into the 16s and the 17s. Um, I got this wine from the same spot that Bill picked up uh, the Snoop Dogg. Red. <laughs> That's right. This is 95% uh, Sangiovese and it's um, 5% Merlot. Uh, the nose is it's red cherries, red plums, tobacco. Um, it um, has a pretty good, um, you get a pretty good whiff of like a cedar chest and uh, a little bit of earth. There's no rough edges at all on this. It's medium bodied. Uh, it's very supple and it's, it's it's extremely well balanced. They made a lot of it. I think they made 14,000 cases, 9,000 of which uh, made it over here to the States. Uh, it's ready to drink now. It's great with pizza. We had it with uh, some pizza last night. Um, I picked up a couple bottles. I'm gonna pick up some more. Uh, the reason I wanted to mention this is that there's tons of good values out there, and this is a really good example. Usually you see this wine for like uh, 17, 18 bucks. I think you can find it on the internet. It's 10 bucks at the bottle wine. <laughs> it's 10 bucks. Bottle Barn has really good, 
good, so, good values. Uh, I would, uh, all I would, uh, I would jump on that. You can't if you live in the area. You could go in. It's not on the floor. You have to ask for it. Um, if you're somewhere else in the world, you can order it, and they will ship it. To yeah, they, you. and they're good about that. So. Yeah. So uh, I don't think that's going to last very long. But that's a fantastic, ridiculously good value. And talking of values, here's another value. I'm all about the value now. And we're all going to start seeing this because there's so much wine in the world and there's so much competition to get your prices out. And, I mean, just look at the celebrity wines that we're starting to see. The reason that we're seeing these celebrity wines is that there's a lot of wine out there and people are realizing, hey, I'll just get some celebrity to help me move some of my product because they can't make movies they can't um, they can't have concerts anymore. The celebrities are like, well, yeah, I'm gonna get my name out there somehow. I gotta stay relevant, right? Smoking and drinking, I might as well just have my own label. <laughs> well, you're familiar with this label, I bet. Are you yeah. familiar with Newton? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Newton, this is a Newton. Uh, it's out of Napa Valley. It's a 2016. It's an unfiltered Chardonnay. Uh, Newton's been um, been around for a while. I think they've been around since the 80s. The winery is on Spring Mountain, and um, it's uh, Spring Mountain's like uh, close to Saint Helena. Yep. But the winemaker is Alberto Bianchi, and uh, is that Italian or what? He's Italian. Yeah. I think he was born and raised in Milan, huh. but uh, he's been the winemaker there for like four or five years. The wine is a uh, light straw color. It's um, it's 100% barrel fermented, which is takes a little bit more work, um, but it's barrel fermented, and then once it's finished in the barrel, um, it's aged in oak for a year, uh, 25%, which are new. It's uh, French oak barrel. That's going to ask you. Yeah. Um, it's finished. The key that this is a good wine is, I don't think I saved the cork, but it's finished with the DM10 cork, and I won't get into the details of that, but it's an expensive cork. And it's usually put in a bottle that's meant to age. So um, it's uh, it, the taste is um, it's got the, the the straw color with like a, a little tinge of green because you can you can look at it in the glass and go wow that's going to be something special. Huh. Um, and I like to say it's a blend of old school versus new school. And what I mean by that is the the barrel fermented, but they don't overdo it. Because everyone now wants the, the word is uh, newer, fresher Chardonnay, no oak. But this is really kind of a, an homage to an old school wine. Um, when you taste it, it's when you look at it in the glass, it's got that. Um, or when you taste, it, excuse me, it's got that yellow apple, pears. Um, it's got a little hint of uh, pineapple and uh, vanilla. So I guess you get that tropical fruit thing going on. Um, it's full bodied, full throttle wine. It's very rich, well balanced. And uh, it's it's a beautiful uh, it's a beautiful Chardonnay. The reason I bring it up and I talk about value is I know we talk about um, flash sites sometimes. I got this off of a flash site, and when I saw it, I was like, I'm ordering some of that right away because I already knew the wine. Uh, but this wine typically you see for around between forty forty five bucks a bottle. Yeah. See it on the internet. Yeah, I got it for twenty two bucks. Wow. So you're going to see a lot of this, and if you know the wines, if you, you, there's, there's some really reliable flash sites out there, you're going to see a lot of this because people got to move their product. And what's happening is this is a bottle that you would typically see at a high-end restaurant. This is, you know, it's unfiltered uh, Napa Valley Chardonnay. It's good stuff. 
As a matter of fact, if you stand it up for uh, a couple of days and then you pick it up and you shake it up, you can see all of the, you can see like a little haze that kind of comes out and kind of moves into the wine. And it's because it's unfiltered, but it's delicious. Would you and, put that uh, down at all? Could you put it down? Would you put it down? Would Absolutely. It down? Yeah. Now, how, I would definitely put it yeah. down. I bought, I only bought a half a case. Um, but I'm going to drink a few bottles right now, enjoy them. And then over the years, I'll just kind of like pull one out every once in a while. Yeah. Just curious. Just curious. Yeah. Right? We'll, we'll be seemed... having one of these five, six years from now. I'm going, mm, yeah. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> I bet. It's only going to get uh-huh. better. So that's what I got for wine. Wanted to get those in real quick. So, um, uh, get you some of that Newton if you can. I mean, if I, if I found it for a value on a site, um, there's chances it might pop up again somewhere else. And I'm seeing that everywhere. I'm seeing uh, deals popping up um, on, on wines that are just it's like, is that for real? You know, I, I got I to gotta get some of that. So that's what happens when you got oversupply. Yeah, the deal starts showing up. Deal starts showing up. I was I was in bottle was when I was purchasing the Cali Red. I was perusing the the Pinot, uh, perusing the Pinots. Which, first of all, I was like, wow, this clearly this grape has continued to uh, escalate in popularity because the pricing is reflecting it. Yes. Um, you know, producers that you used to, uh, it, uh, producers you buy a bottle for ten, twelve, fourteen, fifteen bucks. It's like double the price now. Um, mm-hmm. Same Ventner, you know, same, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, basically the same wine, you know, state Pinot used to be able to get certain, uh, certain Russian River Valley Pinots around here for, you know, really good, bo- really good bottles for 17, 15, 17, 18 bucks. They're all in the, you know, 30s and 40s. 40, yeah. And then there's a lot of just what I'll just say. Um, and I don't, I have no idea what the quality of the wines are. Um, in some instances, the ABA is on there and, and in other instances, you know, it just says California on it that are really inexpensive, um, 10, um, 10 bucks and some labels that I've known before. So I picked a couple of those up. We'll see how, how they drink. Um, one of, one of which was actually really, um, inexpensive. It's 10 bucks a bottle. But the fruit was not, they made a, um, they called it out on the label, the fruit was not from the Central Valley. Um, it was actually from, they said Northern California, but did not mm-hmm. say the the uh, AVA or anything. So I'll be interested to see how those go. Um, and, you know, in general, I, I have walked by and seen bottles and said, wow, that can't be that price. Um, yeah. It's, um, I, I want to say I saw a $14 bottle of Russian River Pinot from a really reputable producer, and I'm like, hmm. So I picked that bottle up. Um, I'll, re- I'll reserve any comments until I have it. But, gotcha, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, one was in, a, was in a state bottle. So I'm, I'm just like, hmm, I'm just, we'll see what this is all about. Well, we're privy to some really good deals. We're kind of spoiled because we live in the epicenter of where the stuff is actually made. I mean, yeah. I, I, I will say this, um, you know, having worked in a winery and, you know, having been around um, the wine business for a long time, um, some of these producers, and this is, this is actually, it's fairly common. So you got to tank a wine, you got to tank. It's like a, you know, 4,000 gallon tank and you're, you're bottling they might run off, you know, X number of cases and 
you know, 60% of the tank is still, still there and they're done with that labeling for that, for that particular bottle. What they'll do is they'll bring on another line of bottles with different labels and they'll bottle out of that same tank. And the, the first run might've been a $70, $80 bottle of Pinot. And the second run might just be a $20 Pinot, but they're the same wine. I was indeed looking for a very specific second run wine yesterday, Pinot. Yeah. For that very reason, I could not find it. So, so, so that, um, that happens quite frequently, yep. more frequently than people are willing to admit. That's why when you, you know, um, a lot of these uh, uh, retailers, they have, um, they have their own blends like uh, K&L has it. I forget what they call it. Um, there's a catchy name for it, but for, for a bottle of barn, it's called the barn razor. That's and, and, uh, you know, there'll just be these blends or there'll be a wine and typically it's always $15 or, you know, it's very seldom more than $20, but it's just that it's friggin' excess great wine. That's good to know. It's that's good insider knowledge. Um, go, man. well, that's what we're here for, Bill, right? That's right. We're right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We're we're here to help your consumption. Well, that's well, all I got, man. We should uh, shut it down. I know you got a heart out. Yeah, I've um, I'm uh, Dad's taxi this morning. So, um, everyone, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can always hit Al up on the twitters. Um, you can email us at info at vino one hundred and one. Leave us a comment on Facebook, and um, stay safe out there. Cheers. Stay safe, everybody. Appreciate you listening. Ciao.